Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. To keep it going, we have the Horror Show, also known as House 3, and Amityville in 3D. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So what's up? Did anybody do anything fun this week? I, I got married. Does that count? No, I said fun. <laughs> I went to Silver Dollar City. I said fun. <laughs> I convinced my family not to have a Thanksgiving dinner due to COVID, and therefore I didn't have to go to it. Nice. <laughs> they were like, how are we going to handle this? I'm like, just not do it. And they're like, yeah, but and I'm like, but that would be, that would fix it. And they're like, yeah, but I'm like, oh, I'll be in the woods with my kid. Bye. Yeah, didn't you chaperone a date? Yes, that's what it, I, I implied, but that's what it turned into. That's pretty much just me walking behind two little four-year-olds who are holding hands the whole time <laughs> and finding places to sit by the water and share a bag of goldfish. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Then my kid accidentally bashed the other kid in the face with a giant stick. Well, I mean... That's, that's that sh- about par for the course. That should have been expected to happen. Yeah. Just wanted to prove how big a stick he could throw. <laughs> really, that's all dating is. He's going back to them primal times. You just bash the other one over the head with a stick and drag them back to your cave. Yeah. Have you ever been to Silver Dollar City, Brian? Uh, like a long time ago. Well. Me too. It'd been like 20 years. They've really expanded. I was probably like 12 or something. So, what is it? Silver Dollar City, it's kind of like uh, old timey Six Flags. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was going to say, do you have Six Flags up there? No, but I know what Six Flags is. Yeah. It's, it's Disney World for people who are horny for the era of slavery. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just get on a ride and they just hire black people to push it in circles instead of having a motor is that what happens let, here let me tell you one thing I was there for mm, close to close to 12 hours basically from open to close and do you want to know how many black employees that theme park has <laughs> one the answer is less than one <laughs> Three fifths. Do you know? Do you know how many black people I saw in that theme park for the entire day? 
maybe one family. The rides, the rides are fun. The crafts are neat, but the uh, it's Missouri, so they're not good people. So, so now the question is: No black people. How many MAGA hats did you see? Uh, more than one. <laughs> That's one way too many. Yeah. The rides were really fun, though. And, you know, they got that saltwater taffy and fudge. It almost you know, makes, it, it almost makes up. For when you're 80, you need it. I was going to say, it almost makes up for the explicit racism. <laughs> almost. Although, I'll tell you what, there's a couple things I was pretty impressed by. So there used to be a thing there that was kind of like Medieval Times, but it was called Dixie Stampede. Mm -hmm. um, and it also was <laughs> a little tone deaf for the era that it was masturbating over. And uh, Dolly Parton owns those. Hmm. And apparently... She came out and made some big statement of, you know what, whenever we did this, I wasn't thinking about it. It's totally insensitive. And she fucking changed the name of all of them. I love Dolly Parton. Yeah. I was I was like, you know what, Dolly Parton? You you give them the finger. I dig you. I dig you and your giant weird fake boobs. <laughs> I keep seeing like stuff where people want her and Elvira to play sisters and something. And I'm like, you know, whatever it is, I'm all about it. I'll totally watch it. Sold. Yeah, she changed She changed all of them, and now they're just called Dolly Parton Stampede. <laughs> and I guess they cut out some of the more insensitive musical numbers and stuff that were really celebrating the South. Mm. Yeah. The whole celebrating the South thing that they do is... It's just kind of weird to me. I don't get it. It's disturbing. It's like, remember when you guys were in a war and the, the, side, the one side lost, and then like hundreds of years later, they're still fucking <laughs> trying to bring it back? It's strange. Yeah. I like those memes that's like, you can't tell me not to celebrate my southern heritage. And it's like, yes, we can. We fought a war over this, and you lost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Here's here's the fucked up thing. All this time later, I'm not I'm not entirely certain that they lost. They've just been underground. They, they just learned I mean, that. No, the, I don't. I don't think they went underground at all. I think they came right back, and their politics seeped into everything, and have been ruining everything ever since. Yeah, they just learned that violence wasn't the solution. They had to find it in a more subtle way. Sure. Let's not talk about that. That makes me sad. I got married. That was happy. <laughs> and I watched one movie that was mostly good. <laughs> oh, I'm curious to think, find out which one of these you think was mostly good. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> uh, well, should we just jump into it? Or does no one want to talk about his wedding some more? No, they, it all went. It all went very, very well. 
no no problems, no hitches. The cake was great. Everything was really pretty. Did you tie your tie in a fancy way and then post about it on social media? Uh, no, but I did use a Pratt knot. So there you go. That was my wedding gift to you. Was letting you talk about that shit on this. Listen, we can all bicker and argue about who's got mad fucking skills tying a tie. No, we don't. It, we don't have to argue with that at all. It's this. It's this guy. I wore, I wore a, a tie. Uh, I don't know. Last July, for the last time, not the July that just passed, the one before that, and I tied it in whatever that one kind of knot is that they made me learn in high school. Probably a four over hand. The worst knot. <laughs> You really know how to sting me there. You really got me. I'm not insulting you. I'm insulting the four overhand knot. The worst knot. I don't know. Yeah, I, know I know you can, if you're in a high school that has a uniform policy, you can loosen the tie and pull it off over your head and hang it in your locker and not have to retie it every day for five years. And that works out just fine. That's all I know about that kind of knot. <laughs> There are many knots that you can do that with. Yeah, we don't need to. Welcome to our new podcast, <laughs> The Knot. Not even. No. Just... <laughs> not even? Is that the name of the show? <laughs> not even. No. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Doug nailed it on accident. Good job, Doug. Doug, why don't you tell us about uh, Amityville 3D? It's a little difficult because there's not technically a plot to this movie. There's just a bunch of weird shit that happens in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna say. So, 3D, uh, the third, the whole 3D sequel fad of the 80s, like, mm. has resulted in a lot of uh, subpar movies. Is is uh, the kind way to say it? <laughs> and there subpar. seems there seems to be a direct correlation between the amount of 3d gags in the film and how terrible it actually fucking is. <laughs> and this one, I think there's 50 in the first three minutes. Right. Do you want a plot description yet? Or? Yeah. yeah, go for it. Go for it. If this if come up with a plot for this movie, it's, it's fucking nuts. Cause it's, this is my main complaint about the movie will be how discombobulated it is. It's just, it opens with, well, it's going to be fun. Cause we're going to have a weird discussion about if this is actually a sequel or not. Continue. Well, it's a sequel. It's yes, it's a sequel because that opens with these people have, are running phony seances in the Amityville house. And mm. they are basically, we meet our main character who is a writer for, a sleazy magazine and it was a simpler time where catching somebody running fake seances was <laughs> fucking enough to be the cover of a weekly magazine so it opens with them uh busting the guy and you know basically chasing them out of there then for some reason they try to pin this on the guy who owns the house and is renting it to those people as if it's his fault mm-hmm. and he's like come on man he's like i bought this house cheap because i thought that after everything wore down from the uh, whole murders thing that I'd be able to sell it for a profit, but I haven't been able to sell it. So I just rented it to whoever would take it. Like, don't, well, don't, don't put this on me. 
Well, it does when, sound like they said that they uncovered some correspondence that proves that basically those people were like, yeah, we're going to run this scam and we'll cut you in. And he was like, cool. <laughs> I didn't know if that was accurate or not. Anyways, it's anyways. The point is, all of that is like it's like a Simpsons episode where the first like five minutes is just setting up the original, the actual story, because <laughs> then all of that is just, oh, and then the guy's like, oh, you got the house cheap eh? and you're trying to get rid of it. I could just buy it and leave my wife. And the guy's like, yeah, okay, I'll sell it to you cheap. They don't, they're smart enough not to age themselves by putting a number on it this time. Uh, so then that guy just go home, goes home and tells his wife, yeah, we're getting a divorce because I bought the Amityville house. So I'm going to go live there and, and become a full-time writer and write the great American novel. And she's like, well, I don't really agree to this. And he's like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, to to be fair, I think they were separated before. But he had to go back to the house to get his stuff, so they weren't that separated. Well, I I think they were separated, but still living in the same house, and he was trying to get out. Of the house. I don't even think they were living in the same house when he is talking with his uh, lady coworker, mm-hmm. the photographer lady. Yeah, he said something about, um, "Do you know what the the something is in my apartment?" And oh. when he goes to the house, it's a house. So my assumption is he's been living in an apartment. Because they're separated. Oh, my assumption is that it's a poorly made film and that that's just a continuity error. You still well, play. there is that, too. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can get into a lot of discussions about what's a continuity error and what's a, a change in the canon. Um, hold, hold on one second, guys. I have to hold this broomstick toward the camera. <laughs> All right, you, you can continue now. <laughs> so then... Uh, so then the, the photographer is supposed to be coming to the house to work, but she finds the house creepy. And then later she dies in a car accident and I, it might be connected to the house. We're not really, it, I don't feel the film makes it clear if that's true or not. <laughs> um, the evil trapped in her pictures and the pictures catch on fire in her car. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, then we, we have a whole subplot with the, the guy who's bought the house, his daughter wants to come stay with him once in a while. It's, it's Aunt played Aunt by Aunt Becky. Yeah, played by Aunt Becky. So she's uh, she just wants to go stay with her dad once in a while. Now their parents are separated, but her mom's being a real bitch about it and saying no, because the house is because other people got murdered in that house. So therefore, you're not allowed to go stay with your dad, which isn't really cool. Um, oh shit! Then there's like a bunch of nonsense. Then suddenly the plot becomes all about her and her friends trying to sneak in there and do some shit. So you think like, oh, this is going to be a whole movie about uh, the teenagers get stuck in the house and they're getting killed by the house. But that only lasts for a few minutes. And then the daughter is eventually killed in a boating accident on the lake. Again, still not entirely sure if that's related to the house or just a coincidence. She just fell off the boat off camera, so we have no idea what happened. (laughs) But conveniently, her spirit, which is now a visible glowing ball, which can float towards the camera, is now going to uh, live in the house. And so now the mom, I think, moves in. I think the mom flat out moves in to the her divorced husband's new house that she didn't want her daughter to even visit and is living there because she thinks her daughter's spirit is floating around. So then they call in a scientist guy that we've alluded to a couple other times in the movie. And now the movie's about him bringing in a whole camera crew trying to track down the spirit of the daughter and accidentally it, uncovering that there's evil living in this 
the well in the basement that wasn't there in previous movies. Um, well, it well, was there. there. It's well, just a different spot. Yeah, there's a, there's always some kind of portal to hell in the basement. It just seems to randomly it, change shape, shape, location, size. Yep, it, it didn't used to a- be a accurate. Well, now it is a well. <laughs> like, so, anyways, he goes down. So basically. So basically, the end of this movie just turns into the end of Poltergeist, where they bring in all the paranormal experts. Right. And then, except that in Poltergeist, they led up to that as part of the plot, and this, it just fucking happens like that. <laughs> did, did we mention that fucking Meg Ryan's in this movie for some reason? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's weird, right? <laughs> yeah, she just kind of disappears, too, after Aunt Becky yeah, uh, she just, plays it. She, yeah, she like, kind of wanders off. That whole, like, she's, yeah, she's kind of a semi-main character for a while and then just disappears. And then, at that point, we find out that there's an actual demon that is um, <laughs> living in that well. And it shows up as, like, just a physical being and has a wrestling match with the scientist. And they both fall down the well. And then the house blows up. And you, I... You didn't believe the, the demon spits fire into the scientist's face and burns yeah, well, half of his face. Oh, I didn't get it. Hold, get hold on, guys. Hold, hold on, guys. I have to hold this weird-looking fly toy on a stick in the camera. <laughs> All right, continue. Uh, uh, yeah, so the house blows up. And yeah. So I guess Dino De Laurentiis was like, well, I guess we're done with these movies, so let's just blow the house up. Apparently, that was the logic. I don't know. So kind of weird because of how the movie is never really about anything. It starts off being about the these guys busting these people for running fake seances. Then it becomes about this guy moving into the house and it shit going weird, but not necessarily connected to the house. Like nothing really weird happens in the house the way it has in previous movies. Um, later it becomes about the teenagers going into the house again not sure if that what goes wrong with them is connected to the house or not um and eventually becomes about these scientists trying to come into the house and then apparently the whole plan was if we can get this demon on film then we can fist fight it and make the house blow itself up and it worked out so i can't imagine you guys have any complaints about this film (laughs) (laughs) not great it's not great (laughs) the thing is like they had their idea okay so put aside the 3d gimmick stuff like i don't know if you guys tried to catch the frisbee or speak into the fucking boom <laughs> mic that they stuck into the camera none of that really sucked me in but whatever it was the 80s and 3d was a thing i can I feel like they, did, they didn't have nearly as much fun with it like if you watch friday 13 part three it's completely ridiculous but i feel like they're at least like in on the they're, joke they're doing more fun things with it is like yeah. it's a yo-yo coming out the guy's face and the, it comes right at the, at the camera is more fun than somebody yeah. tosses a frisbee and it kind of looks like it's coming towards yeah. you. Like, I, I, one of the big differences is if you make a, a like a decent movie that has 3D gags in it, then those 3D gags are a little easier to forgive. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's nothing but 3D gags. Like they they were like, we don't we don't give a shit about making a movie. We just want to hurry up and get to the next thing that goes into the camera. But there's some truth to that. But the other side of it is when, like, when they had the fucking the the photographer 
girl, but she's like, I, I have to get away from this house, so I'm going to drive my car like a crazy person. And then the car crashes, and like, yeah, it's the, the 3D gag of the thing coming through the windshield and stuff. Fine. But the car crashes, and she survives that. But then the fucking fire starts, and then she tries to put the fire out, and it catches on her coat. And I'm like, this is some Final Destination shit. That's a really fun scene to watch. It just doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie whatsoever. Like, none of it. Like, and it certainly doesn't make sense as part of this series, which is supposed to be about this house possessing people. Right. It's all very strange. Well, and they ruined it, too. So, like, that that scene's pretty good with her catching on fire, and then, you know, the kind of whole thing goes up, and you kind of see her hand, you know, clawing at the glass. I was like, okay, this is actually kind of horrific. I'm yeah, into it. Once that car is, like, fully engulfed in flames, it's really cool-looking and gory, and I like it. Right. And then, for some reason, the fire goes out, and the dude who is driving the truck checks on her, and there's a pretty cool-looking, grisly, burnt-ass skeleton husk. Yep. I was like... All right, that's pretty cool looking. And then, of course, it immediately goes ah, toward the camera. And I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> you guys were doing so good. You guys were doing so good. And then you had to pull some fucking nonsense that doesn't make any sense like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoosh, and the car goes back up in flames again for no reason. It's like, what in the fuck is going on right now? You're correct about all that. You're right. It made no sense that that body lunged towards the camera other than they wanted it to. Um, And it was like foreshadowing for later when that body seems to come out of the well for some reason. But I don't know how it got down there or whatever. So I have to ask the same question I asked last week. Okay. Uh, So do you feel this is a sequel to Amityville Horror? I feel it's a sequel to the Amityville 2, the possession. Yeah, it is at least a sequel to two which is problematic because if you're going to be they make multiple references to two in the dialogue and then it's like okay if you're making all these references to two probably the portal to hell should still be under the stairs where it was last movie (laughs) not just out in the middle like it's just a well out in the middle that has a couple of boards over it and they actually have a character say in dialogue like i didn't know that was there because it had a couple of boards over it Although it's like with everything that's gone on, you didn't know there was a giant well uncovered in the middle of the floor. I I would also have to say, I have to assume it is also a sequel to the first movie because everybody's referring to it as a haunted house, not just the house that that dude killed his family in. And if they're all calling it a haunted house, you have to assume that the, the next movie had happened because those are the assholes that wrote the book and stuff. I guess that's true. But to be fair, right. they, they they flat out refer to it as the Amityville House a few times. <laughs> so it's like, maybe they just have all seen the other movies, and it's just it just looks like that house, so it's developed a nickname. It's hard to say. Okay, well, number one, what, uh, what references from the second one did you guys pick up on? Mostly just them discussing the murders and stuff. It seemed like... Okay, yeah, I don't have well, there, there were the island. flies... Flies. There's the flies. Well, they refer to the DeFeo mur- murders, correct? I don't... Right, because well, she's talking about him walking around killing people with a shotgun. So yeah. okay. Well, the DeFeo murders is what happened in real life, but the last name of the people in the second movie, which was supposed to be a prequel, was not DeFeo. It was like something with an M or something. But maybe when the brother and sister got married, they changed it to DeFeo. It weird when she took <laughs> his <law>. last name. <laughs> That's true. Uh, 
so that whole thing's weird. So that all depends on if two is actually a sequel or a prequel or how they fucking define it because that's so fucked up. Okay. And then the second point. Uh, so apparently after the second one came out, uh, George Lutz was really mad because they did the movie about the murders that happened before he moved in the house. So they were able to cut them out of any sort of, uh, profit sharing. Oh, that's actually a pretty smart move by Dino. So he, the George Lutz sued Dino and whatever MGM or whatever. So... (laughs) The third one, legally, is not a sequel to either one of the first two movies. It is a sequel to real life. Okay. Uh, So in in this movie's universe, the Amityville Horror is a movie. And yes, it is based off of the Lutz's whatever bullshit. But they never mentioned the Lutz family because if they did, they'd have to pay them. Wait, so fuck, fuck them. When I jokingly said a few minutes ago that they call it the Amityville House because they've all seen the other movie, I was right. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was being sarcastic. And that's why it's not called the Amityville Horror Three. It's just called Amityville Three. <laughs> but Amityville Two is called Amityville Two. <laughs> yeah. It's not called the Amityville Horror 2 either. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, either way. Obsession. Maybe they were trying that shit then, and they were just trying to even distance this one further. All right, either so... Way. I love either the way, fact that they cut him out of this... the second movie, but they were really mad about the third movie. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah, whatever. But, so, what they what they did... Is there is the the there is a reporter, um, a different name, who apparently wrote a book called the Amityville Conspiracy, which basically was seeking to say that uh, the entire Amityville thing was a fraud, which it was. And so they based this guy as a reporter off of that guy. So then, did that guy have to sue Dino? <laughs> I don't think so. Who sued Dino over this movie? I know somebody sues him over almost every fucking movie. <laughs> so yeah, so their their workaround was basically okay. Well, this isn't a sequel to the Amityville movies one and two. This is this is a sequel to real life, and yeah, it's supposed to be this sort of meta weird sort of nonsense. Like basically, just to avoid paying Lutz's money i like the fact that they based the movie off a real life guy who made his living debunking uh bullshit ghost stories and they turned his story into a bullshit ghost story yeah (laughs) yeah because he never bought the house and lived in it or anything but they're just like let's take that guy say he moves into the house and then weird shit happens see the thing is there's there's good ideas there the idea of a reporter who debunks bullshit ghost stories and then he moves into the house and becomes the central character in a ghost story that's a neat, a neat idea you know yeah. like you could you could do something with that i mean they didn't do anything with that but they could have you know it was just 
it was just weird how when they got into the movie, they didn't seem to have they didn't seem to have a story in mind as much as they had a collection of smaller stories. It's like an anthology yeah. of things that happen around this house. Like this lady visited the house and then got in a car accident on the way home. This girl brought her friends to the house and then went for a boat ride and fell out. <laughs> now she's a glowy ball. And it's like, I, now, and parts of it were well made though, right? Like that, that part where Aunt Becky comes in and she's soaking wet and her mom's there for some reason and follows her up the stairs but then at the same time the dad is like tending to her actual body outside that was I think really well done it's just not consistent with anything else that went on in the movie I'm, I'm actually a pretty I'm a pretty big fan of the scene where the uh, the sink in the bathroom starts blowing out super steam and he's trying to shut off the super steam and it has the walls on wheels sliding in <laughs> yeah and I mean, don't don't get me wrong. That's a super shitty effect, even even for back then. Like, but I get what they were going for in the scene, and I think it's a cool scene. Yeah, oh, kind of, you mean you mean the scene where all the walls change, and then he never notices, and then right. So right. basically, he, that he, whole that whole finishes, scene is for nothing. Yeah, he finishes, <laughs> stands up, and walks out the room, which is now one one third of the side that it was whenever he started and doesn't notice somehow <laughs> isn't scared by it it does not do anything to move the plot forward it's because just... he's not, nothing does anything to move the plot forward that's not that's not the point of this movie no but those walls in 3d probably moved look like they were moving right in on you so right and that's 100 percent what it was it was another 3d gag oh i didn't yeah. even think about that yeah, it makes sense uh, it's all God, this movie is terrible. But again, there's so much potential here. It's just if they had tried to make a good movie, there's some good ideas. There's some good special effects. That monster thing at the end was kind of fun. That spit fire in the face of the fucking. Yeah, why did we get a guy? whole fucking movie of fish demon? Fire breathing <laughs> fish demons a cool thing. Yeah, like you could make you could make take any one of these plot threads and you could make a good movie out of it. And instead, they just jammed them all into a shitty movie. <laughs> and it's like I can't I, I can't say I didn't enjoy watching this movie in the sense that there was enough of those moments that I liked over the course of the runtime. But I I feel like it, it was just like watching one of those like YouTube compilations of scenes more so than watching a movie. I kept waiting to figure out like I'm like who's the main character in this movie. What is the through plot of this movie? And I don't have an answer to that. And I watched the whole thing. <laughs> like the the dad slash reporter guy, he's got the most screen time of anybody in the movie. But would you call him a main character? I mean, he has very limited interactions with the ghost things. And he is, he's more just there so that the people around him, like he's like the, he draws in the other people so that they'll have problems with those. He has a problem, but it's just a broken elevator in his office building, and I'm not sure if that's connected to the house in any way or not. Because <laughs> why would the house screw with the elevator in his office building? I don't get it. Yeah, none of that makes any <laughs> sense whatsoever. It is kind of funny when he goes stumbling out of the elevator, and I liked the, it was the very 80s moment where the, the they're like, he's like just the elevator just like tossed him all over the place and he comes out and he's just like trying to sit down and they're immediately trying to convince him not to sue. They're like, do you want to see the proof that it was inspected last week? And he's like, no, can I maybe get a glass of water instead? 
<laughs> just got the shit kicked out of me by an elevator. I'd, I'd like to wait to discuss this with my attorney at a later date. Um, I like the scene where they make up a uh, uh, their own Ouija board with a bunch of scraps of paper. Yeah. And then, of course, as you would expect, the shit kind of goes crazy. Um, and then the glass starts moving on its own. But <laughs> they're all sitting around and everybody's like, oh, you, you're totally pushing it. You're pushing it. And they all take their fingers off except for Aunt Becky. And then the glass goes flying across the room. But she only had like her little index finger on it. And they're like, oh, you totally pushed it. I'm like, did you see how hard that glass flew across the room? I think Aunt Becky has enough power in her fucking index finger. Aunt Becky's been learning stage magic. (laughs) I felt like that maybe that was like just a little callback to the previous movie where the dad (laughs) lost his mind on people for knocking down mirrors that they were a hundred yards away from at the time. <laughs> I thought maybe it was connected to that. Yeah, this is a bad movie. Uh, not good. No one's arguing it's a good movie. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad from the opening credits to the end credits, and that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Yeah. Again, lots of fun moments, though. And it makes me wish those fun moments were in a good movie. Yeah, I would say, you know what this movie would be great for? If you were having a Halloween party and you had a ball full of 3D glasses and an actual 3D copy of this movie for oh, yeah. just to put on in the background on the TV while everybody is uh, drinking and cramming their face full of candy. This would be a great movie for that because there's no plot to follow and occasionally neat things happen. But mostly it's just dumb 3D gags. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, they do that thing where there's like twigs or branches or something that rattle in front of the camera. And I think they do it 20 times. Uh, I don't know. It was hard for me to tell watching like just the YouTube copy what was a 3D gimmick and what was just, you know, poor picture quality that I was staring at. Yeah, it was all gimmicks. Yeah. The, the one... The one where they, like, after the, whoever those scientist guys were showed up at the end, and they were recording sound, and they stick the boom mic towards the camera, and I'm like, what? At the boom mic? That's what you're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not going to have somebody look through the camera, and, like, something's running towards the camera or something? No, you're going to do boom mic towards <laughs> What do you think the audience is going to try to talk into it? Like, uh, what's the fun of that, gim- that gag? <laughs> So I did some research and there was actually never a home release in the United States of a 3D copy of this movie. Oh no. Apparently there was on DVD in the UK. But um then when Scream Factory put out cuz they put out like a box set of the first 3, they did do an upconverted uh 3D version for 3D TVs. Okay. But none of the old school red and blue 3D, which is a bummer. That's unfortunate because I'm not buying a 3D TV to watch this movie. So. No. Remember when that was going to be a thing, 3D TVs? Yeah. Or some people who bought completely bought in on it too, and then oh yeah, they, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore, and they kind of were like, but I bought all these 3D movies and my 3D TV just broke, so I need a new one. Like, nope. No, you don't. Yeah. 
Sorry about you, that. You take that your down. 3D movies and you put them in a pile over there with your HD DVDs. And... <laughs> you should have asked yourself, are they making 3D TV pornos? Because if not, don't buy that technology. <laughs> you always got to follow the porno. Follow the porn. If, if you guys weren't right, I'd correct you, but I, I think you just nailed it there. <laughs> That's how it always goes. Every time there's a new format, especially dueling formats, beta versus uh, VHS, HD, DVD versus Blu-ray, whichever direction porn goes, that's the that's the dominant dominant format from that point forward. It's super weird that that worked in the HD, DVD versus Blu-ray debate because by that time, everyone had the internet. So yeah. how, how did porn still maintain that power? I don't get it. I some think at people, that point, some uh, people like, need full length uh, HD porno, Doug. <laughs> I, I mean, think I'm, at not that, ju- I'm not judging. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I think at that point, uh, tube sites hadn't uh, picked up yet, like porn and Pornhub. And... Well, that's true. I think we were still on 2G back then. Yeah. Which you could download porn, but it was super low resolution. <laughs> Take a long time. I think it's a knee. I don't know what that is. Uh, all right. Anything else about Amityville 3D? <laughs> oh, we have been talking about that for a while, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, yeah. I, I'm going to have to say, not a recommend. No. Again, in Good. the exact right circumstances, I think it could be fun to watch. The circumstances may involve alcohol. Um, but... Yeah, it's not. It's not a good movie. It just has some fun moments. Yeah, and arguably not enough fun mo- moments versus dumb shit. Oh. Uh, oh, the one thing I was gonna bring up that I forgot is I love. I do love the seance at the very beginning. How they use all these like movie, uh, like visual effects and shit, like the the green thing coming at the screen and stuff as they're having the the uh, seance. Yeah. And then as soon as they bust out the cameras, it goes from fantastic 1980s movie visual effects to a guy in a black suit carrying carrying fucking cotton balls on a fucking string yeah. running through the room. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you're telling me that that was that green, the green blo- floating ball in the air. Obviously, just... the flash from the camera exposed him. Okay, so I guess that must be what happened. It's the only logical thing. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. All right. I, I, uh, I'd also like to oh, know, like, is there a scam that, like, to, you rent that house and you put in all those effects? How much are you charging for those seances? Like, is that a is that a valid scam? Are you going to make a lot of money doing that? It seems like a lot of work for nothing. I don't know. There's there seems to be a whole lot of con artists like that that make a lot of money doing it but i like i don't know i was just assume i don't again i've never i don't go to these things but i always assume if you go behind the curtain at like the fair it's just one person with a card table and a fancy uh, outfit and not a bunch of special effects and guys with cotton balls on sticks and things yeah, but usually the people who are doing all those special effects and stuff are the type of people that are going to be like, if you pay me $2,000, you can speak to your dead child. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, well. 
Yeah, they're garbage people. Garbage people. Moving on. Uh, yeah, Noah. Noah, do you want to tell us about the horror show, aka House Three? Okay, so uh, the horror show, which was not House Three, which was then sold in Europe as House Three, in an attempt to bank on those big, big follow-up House Two dollars. <laughs> Well, I actually doing doing some reading. I'd found that it's a little bit different, but continue and I'll okay. get into it. Uh, so you've got Lance Hendrickson, who is a cop who uh, hunts down a notorious uh, Cleaver serial killer guy. Oh, man. Played, played by Byron James. Brian. Is that his name? Yeah. 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 Who uh, you may know as Big balding redheaded spooky guy and or big bald red hair funny guy depending on which movie he's in at any given moment <laughs> in this in this movie they're kind of trying to go for both uh and he plays a freddy krueger-esque shit-talking murderer oh uh, now he's very obviously a shocker ripoff yeah, that's if you're gonna. He's kind of like if Freddy Krueger and Shocker had a baby. Well, okay, so in the interest of fairness, Shocker is kind okay. of a Freddy Krueger ripoff. No, totally. That's so. True. So I concede your point. That's true. So at the beginning of the movie, we get all this great fucking horror stuff with fucking cop heads and shit and deep fryers. It's fucking <laughs> dope. Uh, his partner gets his arms chopped off. That's fucking cool. Then, of course, Guy gets electrocuted, and uh, weird shit starts to happen as he's being haunted by what we think is a ghost. But then it turns out it's not a ghost. It's this dude has been practicing transubstantiating himself using electricity? Is that what was going on? Yeah. Yeah, he was, was going to ask he you was guys. practicing to get better at it. I mean, it's basically the same, the same thing. Himself. Yeah, basically the same thing from Shocker. Yeah. If you remember, he just did some weird voodoo ritual while hooked up to electricity. Yeah, but Shocker, like, they went with, you know, voodoo magic, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then this one, it was like, I didn't understand because sometimes he was a ghost, but sometimes he wasn't a ghost. And I couldn't ever figure it no. out, to be honest. No, you see. If you practice getting electrocuted, then you can handle taking so much electricity that that you can transcend to another plane of existence outside of the material plane. I don't know if that's, sure. that's literally that's literally the explanation they gave. <laughs> All right, yeah, I guess. But, uh, so, does it really matter? Come on. So, well, it mattered to me because I couldn't understand what was happening in the movie as I was watching it, and that was becoming frustrating. It's, yeah, it's a little confusing. Sure. So. He has a daughter, and his her, his daughter has her boyfriend in the basement, who she's planning on fucking later. So, yeah. like, he's just supposed to chill out in her basement for a while. And weird ghost, not ghost, electro zombie man pops out and, and hacks him up with a thing. And uh, Lance Hendrickson gets blamed for it, and everyone immediately turns on him. Yeah, they immediately just, go, hero cop, yeah, just 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 on a fucking dime. Especially the daughter who literally answered a phone call from the boyfriend and then walked downstairs to find his corpse. So she should know 
something's wrong. <laughs> Something doesn't add up. No, they all, they all, it's, this is one of the weirdest movie tropes is that uh, like a hero cop can just, as soon as a body is found, they'll immediately blame the hero cop as it's, it's like the opposite of the real world where cops get defended no matter what. They're like, no, no, no. In movies, we always blame the cops. Yeah. It's a very strange thing and it doesn't make any sense and it's fine. It was the 80s. Well, did you not put together why he was a suspect? Because he didn't want that guy to fuck his daughter. Well, obviously. But then she thought he was hiding down in the basement and she heard her dad go down to the basement and start yelling yeah, stuff about, not my ghost. daughter, whatever, because he was talking to the ghost. But she thought he was talking to her boyfriend. And then after that conversation, her boyfriend goes missing and then his body is found in the basement. So puzzle yeah. pieces yeah. loosely yeah, so... put together equal killed him because he was mad because he was going to fuck his daughter. So Lance Hendrickson breaks out of prison and of course runs back Very to his easily. home. Yeah. He, he goes back home to his family who hates him and thinks that he's a murderer to save them from a uh, shocker ghost man. Uh, and his children get brutally murdered. And then the wife kind of gets taken. And then somehow we travel through space and time back to the <laughs> same random warehouse with platforms that all 80s movies take place in. Uh, and he this stops. Is where, this is where I think the Freddy logic comes in. You just sort of assume that he is crossed over into whatever right. whatever like I, dimension this guy is sort of in charge no, of. I, look, yeah. I, think, I think the listeners do better, and you guys should offer a more detailed and proper explanation for what was going on. Yeah. And so, it's not just because I don't understand and I'd like you to explain it to me. It's because oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then so they re they they murder him by re electrocuting him, which apparently is the trick. You like when somebody uh, becomes a super ghost through electricity, all you have to do is electrocute them again, and that that un, that undoes it. It's Friday Thirteenth Part Six logic. You drown him in the same lake where you drowned the first time. Uh, and then somehow the, the son and daughter are okay again. So I guess that was, that wasn't real. That was a nightmare, but the, but the boyfriend being murdered was real. Well, I think the illusion of the kids being dead was just to draw him in to chase him because he still had his wife, which is fine. But where are the kids then? Telling me it's fine, but I'm not sure it's even fine. (laughs) Can we talk about the freaky turkey scene? Because that's... (laughs) Byron James turns into a creepy Freddy turkey. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. So, so So here's... This was the one that I said is mostly awesome. So this movie starts off so fucking good because it starts off cheesy and bloody and violent and it's got like fucking lance hendrickson in it and fucking byron james and i was like yeah <laughs> this is this is all that stuff that i want in a movie and then the middle of the movie is real fucking boring yeah, but then it yeah. kind of comes back because then we get weird like byron james turkey and uh him raping and or not raping the daughter we don't know and, and and then turning into a weird ghost baby that, that then destroys <laughs> he her from the inside out. I don't. We're to believe he inseminated her with, with himself. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, see, this is where I feel like all the dream logic comes in. But see, they have. I feel that it's the responsibility of the filmmakers to let us know that there's going to be dream logic in the film before they just start doing it. Like, don't just assume that we have seen other Wes Craven movies and that we know which ones you're ripping off at individual moments in your movie. So you're yeah. saying the the turkey scene where he is seeing the Byron James turkey and then everybody dead and then everybody's fine and the turkey's fine wasn't enough to clue you in on the fact that there's going to be some weird hallucinatory. Okay, I just shit? listened to you guys go on for like several minutes trying to explain the ending of the last hour of this movie, basically, and you were incapable of doing it. So don't turn around and act like it's my fault that I couldn't follow the logic of this movie. I'll tell yeah, you, I, I'm, I'm on, I'm on your side. The, the rules, like if, if you're going to do supernatural horror, I'm a firm believer that one of two things needs to happen. There either needs to be a firm establishment of the rules or there needs to be no rules at all, but you need to know that at the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah, no, like you can establish there are no rules. That's fine. But they don't establish any of that. They don't Yeah. Like it's all they tell us is that he somehow can survive being like lit on fire in an execution because he practiced being electrocuted. Well, that doesn't get us to dream world. Like that doesn't make sense. I I don't know. I didn't I, think too I, much about it. I I to me this is actually worse than the other um, same, I'm going to say that wow. the, same, the same basic problems of the plot didn't make any sense. It was more like a series of different little things that went on. Like it's got the same, I'll give it the same compliments. There's a few fun gore moments and crazy, just wacky special effects moments, which I'll agree are good. But then lots of boring time, lots of just, it just didn't make any fucking sense. It's a terrible movie. And by the way, both of its names are stupid because it's clearly not House 3. It has nothing to do with the House series. And the horror show is a stupid name for this movie, too. That doesn't make any sense either. Oh. To be fair, House 1 and 2 had very little to do with each other either. Well, they were both about a house, at least. This isn't even about a house. Mm. They don't even really... It, the climax, they leave the house to go to the weird fucking... Yeah. Uh, whatever you said, where they can do the commando thing and jam them into the... <laughs> into the electricity i was gonna say i I will say this so if lance hendrickson was not the lead of this movie this would be a way worse movie sure but how much of that i'd agree with that how much of that is what he does in this movie and how much of that is just the fact that you love lance hendrickson well no i think it's i think it's the fact that lance hendrickson can fucking carry a fucking movie on his shoulders like a goddamn olympian yeah, I don't know. He's just that great. Like, but I just don't know if he's doing that in this movie. I don't think he does anything special in this movie at all. I don't not, know. He's just so charismatic. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think, again, yeah, like you, you just like that guy, which is which is fine. But it's not as if he does anything in like you watch Near Dark. Like, yeah, he's Lance Henriksen and he's got that charisma and whatever. But he's also delivering like an amazing performance. Here, he's just reading lines off cue cards and you're just uh, projecting your love for that actor onto whatever he does. 
I don't know. Maybe, although there are Lance Hendrickson movies I don't like. Well, he's been in 87,000 movies, so there's bound to be a few. I I just mean, I think my my biggest complaint of the movie is they come in swinging hard with like this this hard R gore horror movie. And I was so fucking excited for that. And then that turns out not to be what this movie is. They just came in hard and then put the brakes on all that shit. And that's no bueno. You can't you can't tease you can't tease me with with fucking cops and deep fryers and armless dudes and and then spend the rest of the movie with daughter trying to fuck her boyfriend in the basement. Yeah, no, I I agree with what you're saying. Those are very very um, apt points. But my my thing is, it also doesn't make any goddamn sense. And that's yeah, like. I, you combine all that shit, you end up with what's called a, a bad movie. That's the term I would use to describe this movie. So, I suppose, but but arguably, I think as long as you make as long as you make the movie entertaining enough, it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. Sure, but this movie doesn't even get close to that. You said this movie's got like a giant boring part in the middle. It d- then... it does have a big boring hole in the middle, but it starts pretty strong and it ends pretty strong. And so I'm forgiving it. I'm forgiving it. It's weird, shitty middle. Could be better. Not the best movie, but but it's all right. I, I feel like if if I hated this movie for all of its nonsense, I would have to hate Phantasm for all of its nonsense. Fair point. It's, I, yeah, I'm not a fan of Phantasm, so. Oh, oh, <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Things have gone yeah. awry. <laughs> You didn't see that coming, did you? Quit. Um, I quit the show. No, just... <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't. I feel like a movie, again, has to make some sort of logical sense to a good movie. We, we trashed the last movie for basically not making any goddamn sense. And we were right to do so. But it seems unfair that we're just going to forgive this movie for all the you same say, basic crimes. I you arguably you say I think it, this one makes more sense than the other Yeah. Ones. So you say this movie doesn't make sense. I feel like it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't bother me nearly as much. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It just doesn't have well-established rules. Well, see, that's, then how can it make sense? I don't understand how you can combine say those well, two Well, because things. the story, the story's got like an ABC plot. Like there's, it, there's a straight through here. We can all understand that serial killer became weird electro ghost lance hendrickson fights electro ghost electro ghost is beaten like that's that's a plot unlike the previous movie which was just this happens and this happens then this happens then this happens and this happens then this happens end of movie i mean i know I, I don't i don't agree with that point i don't think that this this plot makes much more sense than the other one did like, I mean, we could say the other movie, you could say, well, guy moves into house, things start to go awry. They fight the beast that, in the basement that's causing things to go awry. Therefore, that plot makes sense, too. You could choose to simplify it, but at the end of the day, I don't think either of these movies made any goddamn sense. And we probably shouldn't be watching them because it's not a good use of our time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't regret watching the horror show. I think no. I preferred the other one. I do regret I do regret watching the other one. 
I I had to split it in two and watch half and then like a day later watch the other half because it was so insufferably boring that I don't think I could have tolerated sitting through the entire movie at once. Again, I just I, I, at best I'd say these movies are on par with each other. So, which is really weird that now we're debating which one of these movies we like better because <laughs> there's no connection between these two movies whatsoever. I can say you the know. first movie didn't have any cops and deep fryers. This movie didn't this, have any cops. That is a fair point. Cars, I don't know. I, I think I just had more fun with the few good moments in the other movie than I did with this. And that's what it's come down to. Yeah, I suppose Again, so. not at all arguing that either of these is really... I'm not suggesting that people should be spending their time watching these movies. I yeah. think this one... This one might have also earned extra points with me because it's been a long time since I saw a movie with fucking Byron James in it. Well, yeah, fair enough. And like, you could just sit there again and just say, similar to Lance Hendrickson, like, okay, it doesn't really matter if he's doing anything good in this movie. You just kind of inherently like that guy. So that's fine. Like, and that's perfectly acceptable to say that. But uh, from an objective standpoint, again, is, is this a good performance from him? Yeah. Well, I could definitely say it's not his best. Right. Oh, we all know that's Tango and Cash. You motherfucker. No. Just... Um, all right. So the weird thing is I saw this movie when I was younger and it was on cable. And then I found out later about the House 3 connection. I was like, what? That movie is technically House 3? It's, it's so weird that they did that because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So I was doing some research on it because I had always heard that, yeah, it wasn't related. And then for some reason they decided let's market it as house three overseas for whatever, like Noah said, <laughs> to to buy into that house money, which sure. Um, but then when I was doing research this time, I actually sort of read the opposite, which was that this was supposed to be House 3, and MGM decided, well, let's just start over with something fresh and drop the House 3 part of it, and we'll just do this as a standalone movie. But then it still got marketed as House 3 overseas. And I kind of see that. I think that may actually be the way they went with it. Because if you look at it, it's produced by Sean Cunningham, like the first two movies. It's still got a lot of the same production people. Harry Manfredini comes back to do the music. And so I sort of feel like that's probably what the way they ended up going with it. That it was supposed to be House 3. They decided to drop it, so they refigured the script a little bit to make it not House 3. And then for some reason overseas, they were still like, nah, it's House 3. I don't know. I don't like the way you said refigured the script a little bit. Like, threw the script in the garbage and went and got a different script and started from scratch. <laughs> like, I cannot conceive of how you turn this into a house movie. I can't conceive of how you turn this into a comedy. I can't conceive of how you fucking make this about people fighting demons in a house. Other Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Just telling you what I read. I mean, I, I would accept it if you said, like, yeah, like, they got the group together, said we're going to make House 3, and then they were like, we don't like this script, and it's like, fine, just make this other movie instead then, now that you've got a crew of people who are capable of making movies together. 
you might as well just make this other movie that we want made. That, yeah, so that's so, acceptable to me. But yeah, so it says according to Sean S. Cunningham, the film was going to be named House Three, but the new distributor, MGM, wanted a fresh start with potential new series with a new iconic villain. So the script was modified to reflect that new approach, and it was retitled The Horror Show for the U.S. theatrical release, why the title House 3 was maintained for the non-U.S. market. I know I read that a bunch of places, that they really, really, really thought that that Brian James' serial killer character in this was going to like be a huge hit. I don't know how the hell they thought that. <laughs> neither do i because i feel like that's lightning in a bottle stuff you know what i mean like the fact that freddie works is a, a total fucking fluke if that makes sense especially past yeah. the first movie i i it, it blows my mind that it continued to work and and arguably jason only continued to work because they kind of reconfigured him a bunch of times yeah. so you could kind of keep it fresh but even other big horror icons, so like Mike Myers, he's not very entertaining. And how that's dare the... you? Austin Powers is great. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. But uh, it's just the fact that, like, the first two movies, you're like, okay, cool, serial killer in a mask. But then, like, that wears out real fucking quick because he's just the big, tall dude with a kitchen knife. It's not. Yeah. No, there really aren't very many iconic horror characters who don't either get ruined or die out quickly. And the idea that these guys thought they had stumbled across one is kind of strange. I also don't understand, like, okay, so it's not House 3 anymore. Let's call it the horror show. Is it about a show? Not really. Uh, I don't know. We're just going to go with the random title? Yep. All right. Yeah, that, that title makes no sense. I feel like that title would make more sense if at some point Brian James had just screamed, welcome to the horror show ah, and like killed somebody. And then like, <laughs> okay. Well, that, fine. They said the name of the movie in the movie. They, they said the name of the movie in the movie. So <laughs> uh, also connecting back to last week, uh, Brian James was doubled by Kane Hodder during some of the stunt set pieces. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. That, that makes as much sense as anything they're kind of both these stocky guys mm-hmm. Kane Hodder was apparently in everything from the 80s that you just you just don't know because <laughs> he was the stunt guy instead of the actor uh, well if anything Doug the writer Alan Alan Warner um, decided not to have his name in the credits so he opted for the Alan Smithy treatment yeah I know but on IMDB they fucked him over it says he's the writer totally. then in brackets it says as Alan Smithy and I was like well why do you think he did that he doesn't want you associating his name with this. Well, because I think I think what I read, he's he's the one who wrote the original script, right? Which they then said, no, we want this horror villain character in it. Yeah, probably. And seeing how the entire movie revolves around that, I'm assuming that rewrite was extensive. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not a rewrite. It's a completely different script. I can guarantee it. Because how is this isn't about a house? How can it have been started out as a house? Like maybe there's some stuff like the guy turning into a turkey and some of the chopping up scenes and the whole like Lance Henriksen's chest like ripping open scene maybe some of that was in the original script but the actual plot has nothing to do with other dimensions and 
in the bedroom and stuff like that. Like we come to expect from the house series. Well, to be when fair, they... the first two movies had other dimensions within the house as well. Yeah. So the scene where uh, the the weird daughter's impregnated with the horrible uh, ghost face and Lance Hendrickson unbuttons his shirt and the wound has fully like opened and he's sitting there like rubbing his chest and the wounds moving. Yeah. Did either of you go, Oh no, this is going to go full video drum. <laughs> he's getting ready. To, he's getting ready to shove something right into that chest vagina. <laughs> yeah. It actually did should occur to me at the time, but I can see where that would happen. Should have been, should have, somebody should have yelled out long live the new friend, the new flesh. Right. Yeah. That fucked me up. I think, I think video drum may have permanently scarred me. I don't know why you would say that. Uh, so either way, this movie being called House 3 caused so many problems. Um, <laughs> I love the fact, too, that then they released House 4 and everybody was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. So yeah, then when they made House House 4, uh, somebody was like, well, but we called this one House 3 in the European markets. Well, we'll just call this one House 4 so nobody gets confused. And made it entirely confusing for pretty much everyone. Yeah, yeah, they they really solved the problem by just calling it House Four. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, and and I don't know what's up with the rights. There's something screwy with the rights for um, for this one in Part Four because Arrow Video actually put out a box set. Uh, of all four house movies in the UK and over here they put out house one and two, but we're not allowed to put out house three and four for whatever reason. I don't know, but you can pick up the, uh, the horror show version, um, from screen factory. They put it out on Blu-ray. Okay. Have you guys noticed that, um, all these Hollywood, type people they fuck up everything they do and yet somehow they get to be rich for doing their jobs and we don't get to be rich right like we don't get paid decent money to explain this shit to people so they know what what's going on with house three and four it's like god damn it it's like we have to explain your fuck up to everybody you should be paying us all right anything else about house three no uh it's weird but it's worth a watch disagree thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call for more info check out the midnight drive-in on twitter at mn drive-in pod or find us on facebook if you want to email us send it to the midnight drive-in at gmail.com remember no outside food and drink anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office unspeakable things will be done to you for calling anybody watch anything since last week yeah you watch uh i'm not completely through it yet but we started watching the haunting of bly manor as have we which is you know the follow-up to uh haunting of hill house what episode are you guys on eight uh, see, I think we're. I can't remember if we just watched five or you're ready to watch six. Some somewhere in there, five or six. I was 
I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I started to get a little worried halfway through it because I don't know if you know what this season's based off of. Yeah. But in instead of being based off of one story, it's based off of like eight. They're okay. all from the same author and all crammed yeah. together. And I was worried that much like the movies we were watching today, that the the rules don't seem to universally apply. They keep changing between different yeah. things, which I can't. I can't. That, that would have really pissed me off because I was like, Ugh, I can't do this. I can't do a ghost movie if they can't keep the ghost rules straight. <laughs> But uh, so far, that's not true. So I think they like clarified it a few episodes later. And I was like, ah, okay, okay, now I'm back on board again. But it's it's solid. I mean, I think it's just as solid as the first season. They just I mean, as far as a ghost story and and being in the format that it's in, I like the fact that they're they're managing to do a different thing and still do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been seeing people complain about it, say it's not scary or something, but I feel like um number one, this is just a different beast than the first season. And I feel like both seasons are a lot of it is based on atmosphere. And I feel like it has pretty fantastic atmosphere in it. Right. And I would argue the first season, I don't think it was scary. Until what, like episode eight or nine or something like that? I don't know. Bedneck Lady and was was pretty terrifying. That's what I'm saying. But that's like episode ten. That's almost at the very end of the fucking season. I don't know. They have they have the Bedneck Lady all the way throughout. I'm yeah, just saying in general, just seeing her. Yeah, I suppose it's just those enough. those brief seconds and stuff. I don't know. I I thought the the first genuinely frightening moment of that series was the uh the backseat scene but sure in which holy fuck that was good <laughs> what a smart what a smart thing to slow play it for eight fucking hour long episodes and then just make you shit your pants with one big one but yeah so, so, keep... so I, yeah i'm enjoying it it's just it, it's its own thing and i think people are just yeah I feel like we've gotten to this point where if everybody's like, if it's not the best thing in the world, then it's bad. Yeah, people, and, people are weird. Yeah. I would say it's it's a good story it, with good characters, with good actors playing those parts. And that should that should just fucking be enough. <laughs> you know, I I'm I'm a splatter fiend myself and I still find it enjoyable. You ever seen uh The Innocents? Not off the top of my the head. Sixties, it's also based off turning of the screw. Ah. So I'm I'm just curious to see, like like we said, I still we're we're about halfway done. Just to see if uh how it how they end up lining it up with the story and how that movie lined up with the story, just to see. Kind of how yeah. It plays out, so. Apparently, I I was unaware of this. So, the turning of the screw. Were you aware that this is the thirty fifth time it's been adapted to film? <laughs> I'm not surprised. That's insane. The thirty fifth time. <laughs> well, considering considering one just came out last year with the kid right. from Stranger Things in it. 
don't know. That's just I just find that bonkers that one piece of writing could have been adapted that many times. Frankenstein hasn't had 35 fucking versions. But uh yeah, so it was good. Uh and then I watched uh Hubie Halloween, the new Adam Sandler mm-hmm. movie on Netflix. As did I. And did I? I'm gonna say it. I liked it. It was fine. It was it's in the same vein as like Ernest uh scared stupid and shit you know what i mean it's just yeah. kind of a dumb character it's halloween and dumb character has to save the day did you see the same uh oh no you're not on facebook uh our friend al goro made that same point he's like okay maybe it wasn't exactly what i wanted but i feel like it's in line with Ernest scared stupid and you know that's that's what i loved when i was a kid so well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's it's just it's a zany character saving a holiday. I don't get what what other people wanted. Can I offer a counterpoint? I was going to say, Doug, you've been awfully quiet. The movie. The problem I have with the movie is not that it was a zany character. It's not that he was saving a holiday. It's that the movie was boring as shit, and absolutely every performance, with the exception of Steve Buscemi, was completely phoned in. This was just Adam Sandler's buddies getting together to do a couple of fun little improv bits that they weren't good at. And the whole thing was just, it was literally just like, like at one point Tim Meadows is sucking the thumbs of his own thing and (laughs) pretending that's sexy. It's stupid. It would, I would have turned off a Saturday Night Live if that was one of the skits. I, I, genu- I genuinely dislike this movie. I'll go back to not watching Adam Sandler stuff. <laughs> yeah, you like that? No. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I think I, you're dead inside, Doug. I really genuinely disliked it. I and I like I'll go back and I'll watch like old Adam Sandler stuff, and I will enjoy it. But I just couldn't get into this at all. The only moments in this that I enjoyed in the least were the. Uh, like say this, there was a couple of Steve Buscemi moments that were funny. He's he's a good, solid actor, and there was a couple of callbacks to old Adam Sandler stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, I can enjoy I those say, callbacks. He creates the Sandler verse. Yeah, but I think that's going to hurt my enjoyment of the other movies more than increase my enjoyment of this movie. Oh. I, I don't know. I get I, I get I get that I you I get it. that you don't like it. I thought it was funny. I don't I, know. I, I almost turned it off, except I knew you guys would be watching it as well, and I wanted to be able to criticize it fairly. And if I turned it off, <laughs> I just—it was maybe 15 minutes in, and I'm just like, "Oh!" And then everything just got worse from there. Like I, I just, yeah, no love for this whatsoever. And they rely way too heavily on the one modern-day slapstick gimmick that I hate, which is like the dramatic, like use of CGI to do the way too big of a fall that no human being could ever actually take to try to make it look like a cartoon character taking a fall and I'm, I don't like it when they do it once in a movie and they do it like 10 times in this movie so. uh, I think the phrase it was fine is exactly where I'm at like it's it's not amazing it's just it was fine I'll tell you, do you want to know what the most disappointing thing I find about this movie is is that yeah. Adam Sandler's coming off of uh, Uncut Gems or whatever it was, <laughs> which, I mean, really, I feel like put him back in to the place where people could be like, oh, yeah, you know what? He actually can fucking act. What the fuck are you doing, Doug? 
Sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, yeah. Were you battling? Uh, I was trying to move to a different position to see if my kid's crying enough that I have to go deal with it. Oh, gotcha. You're fine. But yeah, like, no, like we just said, we I just like to call it Noah out when it happens. So I felt it was only fair yeah. that I call you out when it happens. No, it's fair. Yeah. I don't even know what you guys heard because I thought I was being deadly silent. Just uh, yeah, just rustling. sounds sound like rustling. Okay, no apologies. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was funny. I mean, I think most of it was only a little bit funny, and there were a few moments that made me like really fucking laugh, pretty fucking hard. Oh, the uh, uncut gems thing. That's what you were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just just him coming off of that and, you know, being back in the position of everybody going, oh, you know what? Adam Sandler can actually act. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind and of funny. going back and doing this. Because you know. it seems like he does that a lot. Because <laughs> he did that movie, uh, Funny People with Judd Apatow. Right. Where people were like, oh, shit, he's actually a pretty good actor. Like, he's telling this serious story, playing... Like he's sending up a version of himself where he's like, yeah, I know I do all these shitty movies, but they pay me a lot of money to do it. And then, you know, telling a serious story about it and they're like, oh, okay. He knows, he knows, he knows that. So now maybe that he's like parodied that maybe he uh, won't do that anymore. And then he went and made Jack and Jill like right afterwards. <laughs> and right. it's like, oh, okay. Now he, he's still going to take the money that they're going to offer him to do all these really shitty, stupid movies. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's like, he has demonstrated several times that he's capable of doing something else. He's just clearly more interested in the easy paycheck and getting to work with his buddies. Well, right? uh, well that's what I was going to say. Enough, I think, yes. I think he's, I think he's got enough money that he's only interested in having fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's gone record saying that, they build they build the movies around where him and his friends can go on vacation. It's like, yeah, let's set this movie in Hawaii so we can all go shoot in Hawaii for three months. Yeah, I will. I will say Doug was right about one thing in which uh, Steve Buscemi's the best fucking part of this movie. <laughs> that shit. That shit's so fucking funny. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but Steve Buscemi is generally speaking the best part of whatever movie Steve Buscemi's in. Yeah, accurate. Yeah, I mean he's there, and like the the I think the funniest moment in the whole movie was at the end when him and the Rob Schneider character are somehow tagging along with the cops and they come in and they're like, "Everybody, put your hands up!" and they're pretending to have guns and I'm like, "That's there's yeah. just some genius." Yeah, <laughs> everyone, hold your fire until my command. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I thought, I don't know, because like I said, some of the jokes are dumb and some are funny. The the thermos thing, I felt like sometimes it was really funny and then other times you're just like, oh, come on, the fucking, it's just another thermos joke. Can we stop with thermos jokes? No, see, he did the classic, like, okay, it's funny. And then it's like, okay, now this is stupid. But then it comes back around to being funny again. Right, right. And I, and I agree with that. Uh, I don't. Same same thing with the fact that every time he's riding down the street on his bike, people are throwing shit at him and he's just kind of like skillfully dodging it. And if you pay attention as the movie goes on, the stuff that they're throwing at him gets worse and worse and worse. And like by the end, somebody throws a fucking cinder block at him. See, I think I would have enjoyed that if it was in a better movie. Like that one particular joke could have worked. 
Uh, probably the best joke is the fact that his mom buys all of her shirts at a thrift store. So <laughs> check out check out my boners. <laughs> <laughs> I shaved my balls for this. Yeah. yeah. So me and Noah say yay. Doug is a curmudgeon and says no. Yeah. Yeah. Just... yeah if you're looking for something <laughs> dumb and funny, it's it's fine. Just take it out. Don't listen to Doug. Doug Doug's dead inside. <laughs> There's dumber and funnier stuff. He died. He died inside long ago. And now he's some kind of weird electric ghost. That's come on. (laughs) It's not my fault that we haven't discussed a good movie yet. Uh, And then the last thing I watched is I watched Vampires versus the Bronx. Oh, it's on my list. I haven't watched it yet. Which is a made for Netflix movie. Which I, so I enjoyed it for what it was. I, d- I don't even know how to talk about it. So if you watch the trailer, you know what this movie's like about. <laughs> like it's so fucking heavy handed that the trailer cannot hide the metaphor of this movie. It's basically a bunch of affluent, evil, white vampires are moving into the Bronx and buying up people's businesses and people are disappearing. Like, hint, hint, wink, wink. (laughs) If you know, if you catch my drift. But like I said, it's so fucking, it's so heavy-handed with all of it that I don't know. I think it cut back on what what it could have been. Because it's smart. Like, it's a smart premise, a smart idea. I like all the actors in it. I thought it was fun. Because it's kind of like a kids on bikes movie, but for, like, poor uh, poor kids of color in New York City instead of affluent white kids in the fucking suburbs. If, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it could have it been better if they hadn't have... Uh, I don't know. Like, like I said, they, they, everything is so fucking face value in this movie when they came up with such a great fucking metaphor that I don't, something about that pisses me off. It pisses me off that somebody came up with such a great idea of how to express something and, and then just proceeded to heavy handedly shit all over it you know what i mean yeah. it feels it feels like the director of the movie is sitting next to you in a theater nudging you and just going huh huh yeah huh huh you get it huh <laughs> huh <laughs> you, you get it the vampires are white you get it huh it's like yeah 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 i get it i, I get it Everybody has to buy organic toast now because the white vampires are here because because they're white. I get it. Eh? <laughs> but I don't know. Like I said, is it's perfectly enjoyable. I just think it could have been done better. So take 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 that at what you will. I don't I don't know a better way to explain it. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying I don't know. I'm just a grumpy old man that saw something really really smart be done less smart than it could have been yeah i have no real expectations going in i just saw people posting about it and i'm like yeah i may check that out so that's fun that's my list but yeah like like i said it's a it's it's a kids on bikes versus vampires it's great 
Like that's that's gonna be good no matter what you fucking do. So I recommend it if people haven't watched it. What about you, Doug? Let's see. Well, it was it was Werewolf Week at my house, so it's a good week. Yeah. Um, first up, I decided it would be a good idea to uh, revisit the first two Ginger Snaps movies. So I'm sure that I've ranted and raved on this movie, but how much I love those movies uh, before, or sorry, I've ranted and raved on this podcast, but how much I love the movies before. But uh, yeah, they hold up really well. I really like them. Now's the part where you guys say, I've never had any interest in the sequels, and I tell you that you should watch them, and then next time we have this discussion, I'll say the same thing. The first <laughs> sequel's fine. The first sequel, it's great. Like, I, I go beyond fine. I think it's really genuinely great. Have you seen it yet, Brian? Because I've told you to watch it so many times. The sequel? No. No, I know. Watch it, goddammit. Yeah, watch the first sequel. It's really well, bad. It's, things things it's, go after off the rails after two. It's because I listened to you and Scott talk about it, and you uh, spoiled it, which you said you were going to, and I just continued to listen. So that's on me. Yeah. But so yeah. my uh, my sort of excitement to watch it is not as high as it probably would be if I didn't the exe- know. The execution is so good. Yeah, like I, I really like it. I, it's almost like one of those movies where every time I watch it, I'm surprised by how much I like it. Um, so, anyways, people can go back and find out the other times I've watched that movie since we started recording a podcast, and hear hear me like talk about how much I love it. But uh, yeah, and I like I'll, I will probably get around to three soon. I my opinion on three is that it's good. It just it's a standalone thing. Three's the time travel one, right? It's not time travel. It's just set in the past. And for some reason, the characters happen to look just like the characters from the other movies. Yeah. Unacceptable. (laughs) Yeah. But as a standalone movie, it's, I think, good. Uh, So I I, maybe I'll discuss it further when I get around to rewatching it, because now you just talked me into rewatching it. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I, I I really love that series, and so I'm like all excited, and then I'm like I should find another like long running series of werewolf movies and just pick one of those and watch it. Uh, That's how I ended up on the Howling New Moon Rising. Yeah. Which, first of all, my bad luck. I, in my knowledge, I've seen various Howling films throughout the years, and I don't really remember them because it's been forever. But I'm like, I, know I don't, I don't know how you'd stories. ever forget three once you've seen it. That's one I haven't seen yet. So, dear God, but in your watching, you skipped three, the masterpiece there's that no, is Howling that, Three. I think you have to understand. There's been no watching. There's never been a time where I've sat down and watched the series. It's just one's on tv okay i'll watch it you know rented one because it had good box art back in the day right so but because i'm an idiot i picked howling new moon rising which is the film that tries to piece all of the canon together so Uh. having not seen a bunch of the other movies i just it just it's trying to bring all those stories into one which in addition to being an absolutely terrible movie, it doesn't do a good job of doing that. And then I got all fucked up because the lead character is Australian. It's like, oh, he must be from part three, but he's not. He's from like part five. I don't know why he's Australian. It's just a coincidence, I guess. 
So I don't know if you guys would enjoy this movie or not. So I, I have some questions and you guys just tell me how much of a movie's uh, runtime do you usually think should be dedicated to country music sing-alongs in a werewolf? Oh God. Do you guys um, usually think none? Oh, so probably the like four country music sing-alongs that this movie <laughs> has is too many for you. That would be true. Okay. That's interesting. Um, now, something we've never talked about on this podcast before, I'm almost sure of it, but what are your guys' thoughts on using stock footage of people square dancing in a horror movie? Do you think that that should be done? Or... No. I've never seen that one, and I'm getting very upset. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty fucking atrocious. Um, Do they at least have werewolves with pouches? No. That's all that really matters. No, but here's here's what they do have. They have a shitty, shitty werewolf transformation that happens in the last minutes of the movie. But we get flashback scenes to other Howling movies where they had much, much better special effects. So it's like, this is what a good werewolf transformation looks like. But in our movie, this is we're going to do a shitty one. We're just going to tag in on at the end after we've shown you flashbacks to the good ones. Which can be mildly frustrating if you're a horror movie fan. And to top it off, the plot is like nonsensical and stupid, and sometimes I think it thinks it's a comedy, but I don't think it's a comedy because I think comedies are funny. Um, so there's, anyways, there's a good reason this one has yet to be released on DVD, and I don't think they'll ever get around to doing it because it's apparently just not worth it. <laughs> um, That's yeah. Right. It's. That was a mistake I made watching that one. I'll just tell you that flat out. <laughs> um, and it's one of those movies too, where like nothing happens through the whole movie, and then in the last like five minutes, just different characters start just giving exposition into the camera to get you all caught up on this on the plot, on um, what should have they should have been showing you for the last hour and a half, but instead of showing you any of that, they just tell you it all at the end, and it's like that's frustrating and annoying, and I don't like. And yeah. But it, it apparently the filmmakers at one point, according to IMDb trivia, were like they just wanted to make an entire movie out of nothing but clips from the old movies, and like the producers were like, "No, you, you can't do that. You have to have some new stuff." So that's where they wrote in all this other stuff just to basically incorporate those clips that they somehow had legally accessed. I don't. So is this like the uh, Puppet Master Legacy, the Howling movies? Yeah, that's the impression I get, but I managed to avoid Puppet Master Legacy so far, so we'll see. Probably a good idea. Yeah, I, it's it's not good, and don't waste your time. <laughs> I don't even like I won't even tell people how to find it, so that because since it hasn't been released on DVD yet, most people probably don't have a copy at home. Oh. <laughs> it's a, I watched it through a legitimate streaming service, which is funny, but um. Yeah. Like, well, we can't afford like the first couple Howling movies, but if we put this one out, it has sort of all that shit in it. Yeah, I think that was the logic. Um, but since I'm not a quitter, I I went and watched another Howling movie. <laughs> I'm like, well, part seven sucked, but maybe if I work backwards, they'll just get better. So I watched six, mostly because it's called Howling Six: The Freaks, and it is. Uh, about a, it's a basically a battle between a werewolf and uh, a guy that runs a freak show, a traveling circus, 
which is just an awesome premise when you say it out loud. Um, plot line is pretty much like stranger comes to town. Like audience knows he's a werewolf, but the townsfolk haven't figured it out yet. He's like literally counting down until the new moon. He's got a calendar that they show a couple of times and he circles the, 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 the date of the new moon on the calendar and stuff. So it's like, okay, that guy's a werewolf. He's come to town. He's ends up like living with in like this church and helping them fix it up and stuff. And all that shit's kind of boring. And then like an old timey carnival comes to town and rolls down the middle of the streets. And it's got, you know, a, a lizard boy and some midgets and a, a guy with a third arm or, or I'll make up this like freak show. And it becomes apparent that it's not a coincidence that they're there at the same time. So the werewolf ends up getting kidnapped by the freak show and they're going to put him on display. But the big twist is, and it's not a twist at all, so I don't mind spoiling it, is that he's actually he's actually there to get them. And it turns out the leader of the freak show is, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a vampire or some other random demon. So then finally the movie culminates with those two guys fighting. And it was actually pretty fun to watch. Most of the like dialogue parts and stuff like that weren't good, but the the you know all the all the talking. Yeah, but that's not what you're in this movie for, and it's not it's not that much of it. Um, You know, all the parts where they're walking around a freak show are fun, and there's like the lizard man or lizard boy, whatever the alligator boy, whatever they call him. He's an interesting character, where he's been like. He's another character that's been kidnapped by this circus and basically forced to be on display. So he ends up befriending the werewolf after the werewolf's put in a cage. Um, and I liked that storyline, kind of. The I'm not a huge fan of the, the werewolf look that they choose. It's not, not poorly executed. It's just not my favorite design where like the face doesn't look wolfy enough to me. But uh, the transformation scene is actually really good for like like 90s direct-to-video um, stuff. It, I can't believe how good it looks. And, you know, that's important in a werewolf movie. Stuff like that is more important than having, like, you know, interesting background characters, because this movie does not have that. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd actually recommend Howling 6 The Freaks as a standalone, just kind of fun, one-off werewolf movie. You know, keeping in mind that it's, like, a direct-to-DVD sequel from the early 90s, so when you decide to, if you decide to watch it, keep that in mind going in. You're not going to get the best acting. You're not going to get the best of anything. But you get a fun werewolf transformation. You get a fun fight scene between a werewolf and a vampire monster thingy. You get a bunch of freaks running around, committing petty crimes and stuff. So, I had fun. Yeah. You do not sound like I sold you on this, Brian. You, uh, <laughs> did you watch any other Howling movies? Uh, yeah, but I think I might still get some more in me. I've decided. Well, I should just jump in real quick because I watched Howling Two. Your sister is a werewolf. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, not hell yeah. <laughs> it's, I kind of, I kind of anticipated those two reactions. I, I saw this one a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I watched the first one maybe about a year and a half ago. Okay. It's the first time I remember seeing it. I may have seen it when I was younger, but. You know, just not paid attention to anything. And was actually not really a big fan of it. And so I decided, well, 
let me give it another shot because you know the first one's always the one where they're trying to be like serious then maybe like in the second one is when the b movie stuff starts kicking in and the fact that sybil danning was in it i'm like well i mean surely that's probably and yeah i don't know i just i did not think it was good whatsoever christopher lee was in it which i was happy about but the story itself just did nothing for me i was bored throughout most of it i think just maybe the mythology of the howling movies doesn't do anything for me well there is no mythology of the howling movies just to be fair there's mm. part seven is the only one that tries to tie into any of the other ones well parts one and two are actually sequels to each other are they but... actually connected directly yeah, because the the main the main guy is the brother to, um, what's her face? Uh, Allie, um, Et's mom, D. Wallace Stone. She, uh, he's her brother, and then the lady in this was her coworker. So, she turned into a werewolf on the news. Because apparently they seem to insinuate that the news isn't live in this. That they had taped it, and then she turned into a werewolf, and then shot her. But then they never broadcast it or something. I don't know. Some far-flung excuse that makes no sense. Um, so I watched this. Uh, I don't know. Did not enjoy it. Was basically just holding on to watch uh, Sybil Danning show her boobs in it. And then, and, but 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 werewolf orgy. Yeah, but that wasn't even that exciting. So the funny thing is, when reading about it, so Sybil Danning had been doing so many nude scenes in movies, she kind of didn't want to do one in this movie. But the producers are like, "Oh, come on!" But you know, you gotta. And so they compromise, and she did one topless scene, and then you know has a bunch of werewolf hair for her werewolf orgy scene all over. Um, and then she got really pissed because they took her one topless scene and played it 17 times during the credits at the end of the movie. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> that was pretty funny, but Overall, I'm just like, I am not into this whole scenario whatsoever. Even Christopher Lee is a werewolf hunter. Like, this is not holding my attention. But but he's got sweet, super futuristic werewolf hunting sunglasses. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. So, i completely out of this, and I've decided howling movies are not for me. And will not be watching any going forward. Oh, you'll be watching three. Oh, Jesus Christ. Three is an exploitation movie. Listen, if you motherfuckers don't watch the Howling Three right now, <laughs> I the the idea that there are horror fans that have not seen the Howling Three, I don't even give a shit about seeing the first two. You don't need to see those. You just need to see Howling Three. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like the weird cult aspect to the first two, where you know, I don't know, somebody's trying to summon something or something whatever in the first one i kind of liked that element of like the werewolves living in a pack and yeah. isn't there i'm trying to write it's been a while since i saw it but isn't there like a plot line where some of them are like 
more enjoying the idea of being a werewolf than others. Yeah, I think so, but I don't remember. Well, it's basically like the town are all werewolves. Yeah. See, I don't know. The, these two movies did nothing for me. The first one and the second one. But then I think of something like Dog Soldiers, and I'm like, that is like a fun werewolf movie that I really enjoy. Yeah. So I'm not as big of a fan of Dog Soldiers as everyone else. That's I mean, it's not like good stuff. Well, no, it's not. It's not bad or anything. I'm just not super into it. Uh, I love Dog Soldiers. I should rewatch that. Yeah. If I'm gonna continue down this werewolf train. Even like, like uh, what the fuck's the movie Late Phases? Yeah, um, that was a good movie. I feel like that one I really enjoy too. But oh, what's that? What's that actor's name in that? He's really good. Oh. I don't know. It's the one you're in love with, Nick. Yeah. Something or another. He's, he's really good at that. You ever see Late Phases, Noah? Sounds familiar. Uh, guy puts his blind dad into a uh, retirement village, and turns out there's a werewolf s- stalking people in this. Nick Dimitri? Yeah. Yeah. Still sounds familiar, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. If I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not that old, right? It's like. Uh, 2014. Yeah, that's what I was, I was oh, then probably yeah. Then probably not. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think you would like it. I think there's a couple shots of the werewolf that don't look very good, but I think the story's pretty good. Or Bad yeah. Moon? You guys seen Bad Moon? Yeah, Bad Moon's awesome. Yeah, we covered Bad Moon on the podcast, didn't we? On the yeah, on the old podcast. Oh, the old podcast. Okay. Yeah. What's the uh? Oh, what's the one that was a adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood? It's got a weird name. You have to be more specific. They've done that a lot. Uh, yeah, but it's got a longer name. It's like I know the one you're thinking of. It came out in like 1984. I know that about it, but I don't remember the name. Yeah, it has a fucking fantastic transformation scene As, yeah isn't that the one where the wolf kind of comes out the mouth of the person or whatever yeah i think of the right movie yes yeah. the name of it trying to find it now nah. damn it because it's french right am i crazy you're crazy it can also be french though those aren't mutually exclusive things <laughs> i don't know well, well, Noah's looking that up. Did you watch anything else, Doug? Oh, the the Company of Wolves. I have not seen that one. Yeah, I think I fell asleep watching it once and decided not to watch the rest of it. So, so I'd already made it through the transformation scene, and it, it's been implied to me that that's kind of all it had to offer. So. That's that's quite possibly true. But that transformation scene's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, not not taking anything away from that. Just once you've seen it, you've seen. I forgot it. T- Tina Louise was in late phases. We're just we're really jumping around at this point. <laughs> did you watch any more werewolf movies? Uh, not yet. No, I did happen to catch the Buffy episode phases where we we get the big story about Oz being a werewolf. Mm. Uh, that fell into my rewatch coincidentally. Um, nice. Like partway into season three on that show now, got all depressed because it's there's the Slayer Fest episode and they're like Slayer Fest ninety eight. I'm like ninety eight. Fuck, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> how do how how do we feel about the werewolves in Buffy? Because um, I remember like the first episode, it's like a standard werewolf. 
Yeah. And then from there on out, it just, it's like a monkey suit. Yeah, I, I don't love it. Um, actually, ironically, the face of the werewolf on Buffy is not that different from the face of the werewolf in Howling 6. So I already said I don't really like that look. It's not my favorite look. Um, but I have. if you go back and listen to like, the old commentary tracks, they basically say like the idea of having an actual proper werewolf suit that you could have somebody acting in and have him moving around and you know fighting a vampire slayer in on a TV budget is just not realistic. So they basically yeah. just fell to this other suit, which everyone kind of agreed didn't look as good, but served the purpose better. Yeah, that's, they, that's kind of what I figured, but yeah. it's kind of a bummer. Werewolves, once they made the switch, not werewolves. Stay with it. What? <laughs> so they're werewolves, not swearwolves. Fair enough. I watched that season two finale of Buffy. That's, that holds Ugh. up. I expected it to. That's really sad. <laughs> Did you want to kill yourself afterwards? It's you get pretty close. It's like, god damn, like, couldn't she have like if they just if they didn't want you to cry, they would have had her stab him and then his soul comes back, but they decided to go the other way with it. So our main character literally has to stab the person she loves in order to save the world. And our main character is a seventeen year old girl. <laughs> it's like oh Yep. Can we go back and watch the Fishman episode again? That was a fun episode. I got the age of Joss Whedon and your bullshit. Yeah, I find the season three is more lighthearted. I feel like the 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 first episode is kind of the recovery episode, um, and then after that, it's sort of immediately zombies are attacking the house because Buffy's mom hung up on like a weird mask and stuff like that starts happening. So you're like, okay, we're back to just having a little bit of fun here with this concept. Yeah, season three is fun, but then. Feel like you do get the added message later that yeah, sometimes fun is not what's best for you. How do you get that message in season three? You get that message in season two. Well, because Faith shows up and Faith's all oh, like the yeah. irresponsible, fun one, and then by the end you realize like, oh shit, like yeah, but she may have been having fun, but it's pretty much destroyed her soul or whatever. Yeah, but like when you're watching that show on rewatch, it's like Faith is so ready for her heel turn. It's just like it's so obvious that it's coming. So you're just like, all right, she's here specifically to serve that purpose. Maybe to be a bit of a bad influence on Buffy, but you you almost know instinctively that the season is going to come to an end with those two being on opposite sides. And I really do like the Faith character. I think she's. I think Eliza Dushku is like a good actress and so she does a good job of playing that like kind of fun easy going but when she needs to be darker later on she does a good job as well so yeah actually all like a lot of the supporting cast in that show is really good like like David Boreanaz when he's like doing the like when he's playing Angelus versus when he's playing Angel it is two different performances and it's really good um you know it's surprising how how much care went into making sure that those performances were solid yeah yeah now you're gonna make me want to restart watching re-watching buffy yeah like i told you i wasn't planning to but here i am so (laughs) (laughs) halfway through season three i think i should admit that this is a full rewatch three and a half more seasons to go yeah well is that right 
Seven seasons, right? Yeah, but I'm only two and a half in, so it's four and a half to go. Uh, I was thinking halfway through season three. Yeah, gotcha. So we'll see. Season three finale, I remember being very, very fun, even though it's not. it lacks the emotional impact of the previous two seasons. It's just so much fun when that giant demon shows up. I'm really looking forward to that, and they blow up the school. <laughs> yeah, blowing up the school. Remember when that stuff was pure science fiction? Well, they don't schools <sighs> although there's this i think it's season three coming up i don't remember when but there's more than one episode that involves people bringing a gun to school yeah i remember they had to postpone that one by like a year yeah fucking columbine <laughs> we're mad at columbine because of the impact it had on buffy the vampire slayer that's the official stance for our podcast sure why not <laughs> Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's everything. Um, let's see. What, what do I have left that we haven't talked about already? Uh, da, da, da. So I watched a movie called A Stranger is Watching, which uh, I bought for like $5 on a voodoo sale. as has uh, Kate Mulgrew, or Captain Janeway. Okay. Um, her and her boyfriend's daughter get kidnapped by a killer slash rapist played by Rip Torn. Bah. Right? That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I had hoped this was going to be like an early 80s like uh, stalk and slash movie. And it ended up being much more of a kidnap and just kind of sit around bitching movie so didn't didn't turn out to uh excite me nearly as much as i had hoped so i'll give it a meh it was okay but not great so basically you're saying that liam neeson doesn't show up to kick riptorn's ass well you should see i kind of want i like the idea of riptorn as a killer i think that sounds fun but if yeah. If they don't use it to the best of its abilities, then they don't. Because it seems like there could be something they could do there, and then like, oh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's not good. Um, but hey, I own it for five dollars, so why not? Yeah, whatever. Uh, and then after that, uh, well, me and Amanda decided to do a double feature of Halloween movies, so we watched Hubie Halloween, as we talked about. And then we follow that up with the new animated uh, Adams Family movie because okay. she grew up watching like the '90s Adams Family movies and she loves the Adams Family, and so we wanted to check this out. We miss it in theaters, so we we're going to check this out. And you know, it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's you should find her a copy of uh, the old Adams Family reunion because that's a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen one, that uh, one? Is that the one where Tim Curry took over? Yes. Yeah, it's no. Bad. I've never seen it. Never seen it. I don't think she would enjoy that. Um, this one was fun. It's just, I don't know. It's Adam's Family Goodness, and since it's a cartoon, they can kind of go over the top with it, which I feel like they wanted to do in the 90s ones, but they couldn't quite. I mean, they had it. But they couldn't, I feel like, quite reach the heights they wanted to with some of the more over-the-top stuff. 
and they could totally just do that in this animated one. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. You sort of get the Adams family origin story, which is a little weird. They move from some weird unknown country and they're like, we need to move to some desolate, horrible place where we can live and be miserable and nobody will bother us. And then cut to them driving past a welcome to New Jersey sign. (laughs) So, you know, then they set it up and then, you know, a couple, you know, it's like the first like 10 minutes. And then after that, it's Adam's family goodness. And then, and then they find out that the uh, someone has bought up all the land around their house and is building like a uh, new subdivision and selling it off to people. And uh, they're doing it for like a reality show, TV show. And of course, they want to remake, re redo, give like a big makeover to the Adams family house and find out that the lady has ulterior motives and blah 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 coincide with pugsley has to go through uh whatever some ritual that all adams men have to do with like a saber or something so all of the adams family relatives are coming to town which also panics the uh, reality show people that all these freaky people are going to be hanging out in the town while they're trying to shoot this reality show uh it's goofy it's fun why not uh, apparently it did well enough to doing a sequel, which I am totally down for. So yeah. that, that sounds fun. Yeah. If anything else, Snoop Dogg does the voice of cousin it. Right. <laughs> but they do like weird modulating stuff to it, but it's just, it's weird knowing that it's Snoop Dogg. So, um, so after the huge Halloween and the Adams family, I decided, you know, I need something super light and just fun and something that's going to make you feel good and feel happy about life and humanity. So I rewatched Requiem for a Dream. Uh, no, we watched a documentary series called Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. You probably should have uh, just watched Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I don't really know much about Jeffrey Epstein. Didn't really even know he existed until he got arrested. Okay. And, but I don't, I didn't know like the full, like, okay, what's, what's sort of the the story that's going on? You know, you sort of pick up pieces and stuff that obviously he's a very bad person. And the fact that pretty much every rich and powerful person ever hung out with him at some point and that pretty much everybody knew that he liked to fuck kids. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you kind of pick that stuff up and you're like, okay, well, what, what, like, what is, what's this whole thing? Like I want to be informed. So of course you go to Netflix and they have a Netflix original four part limited series about it. So you watch it. Um, So, yes, so this is a series that pretty much follows a lot of his uh, survivors, is, is what they refer to him to them as, and basically just hear stories about how he would lure underage girls in to, quote-unquote, give him massages and then basically talk them into having sex with him. And, yeah, yeah. it's great. Makes you feel happy about life and just good about everything. Um, 
take a strong controversial stance. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein's a bad person. I know, I know. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, what a piece of human garbage. Which it's not um, even alleged, like he was actually convicted of stuff, so. Just because he was rich oh. enough that he didn't actually have to serve much time. But. Oh yeah, they go over all of that. They do a pretty thorough thorough timeline of, of everything. And uh, yeah. Like, it's disgusting, the amount of people that just let him get off scot-free because he had billions upon billions of dollars. So Yeah, which, do they get into where his money came from? Because there's lots of questions about that. Like, did he ever actually have, like, a legit business, or was he only making money by human trafficking? Cause... Um, well, his early money came from, like, investment stuff. They go over a lot of that. They have a guy who basically is the one who helped him kind of get into the investment stuff. And he is basically like, yeah, I, I feel guilty just about every day of my life that I'm the one that helped him become super rich and basically be able to get away with everything he got away with. There's one thing in my life I could change. It would be, you know, not, not helping him get rich. So yeah. I mean, what do you do? I was just yeah. just trying to help a guy make a little money. Yeah. Didn't so they talk a lot. Like a, thing to do. a lot of stuff like that. And then, yeah, they talk to, like I said, a lot of the survivors and people who worked really close with them for years who didn't even realize that, you know, she's this one girl's like, I was like 16. I had no fucking clue how the world worked. And he basically like lured me into this whole weird scenario. So, yeah. So it was just interested to hear, just interesting to hear from people who were affected by him, how much of a piece of shit he was so that it wasn't like, you know, Oh, well, allegedly like all these people are like, no, all this is exactly what happened. And it yeah. fucking terrible. So, so I, I don't know. It's one of those things that I just I kind of wanted to know more about more about the situation just so I knew kind of what was happening. And it's fucking terrible and make you feel disgusting. But at least I kind of understand like what the fuck they're talking about and what was going on and is still going on since his girlfriend's also now in jail. Waiting to be uh, tried or indicted or whatever terminology they use. But, yeah. Yeah. So it's fucked up. Like when he was finally caught, caught, uh, they basically, the judge was considering giving him a hundred million dollar bond. And he was so rich that, I mean, his lawyer basically had that all like in a suitcase ready at the trial to like hand it over. And luckily they were, they talked the judge into not, uh, not giving him bail because when the police raided his house, they not only found, you know, horrible shit, but also found like fake passports and shit. So he had his contingency plans, like all set up that if he ever got caught, he could easily skip the country. Sure, I mean, he was a terrible person, but he wasn't unorganized. He was just, just going to have a plan. 
Yeah. Yeah, they talk a lot about him in school and stuff, and he was he had like a genius intellect, but it's just horrible that it was wasted on such human garbage. Yeah. So yeah, four-part limited series on Netflix. Just, you know, know what you're getting into and uh, how horrible you're going to feel afterwards. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, well, next week, wrapping up Haunted House Month. Oh, come on, Doug. The listeners have had a whole bumper between talking about Jeffrey Epstein and now talking about what's coming next week, and you're laughing. You're really? breaking the illusion you, for them. You really went straight through it, Ryan. It's just... Uh, I don't know how you're going to convince us that House 4 is exciting to watch now. Oh, it's not going to be. It's going to be terrible. It's I told you that from day one. The Halloween, House 4 is going to be one of the worst things we've probably reviewed on this show. House oh, 4, God. massage parlor. No. You were going to wish it was a massage parlor. Because it is not good. God damn it. But, <laughs> but how did we all feel about Lance Henriksen's son in the, in the last house movie? I mean, since we didn't really talk about him, obviously we have a high opinion of him. Well, uh, we, for, like yeah, we should have. He was, he, that was the kid that was fucking running scams all the time to get free yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's probably good. the only thing that was left over from a house movie. So good news is he plays the son in Amityville four. So nice. More of him. I wonder if they open up a cabinet and it's just full of cans of chili. <laughs> It'd be great. But you do get to see him go crazy with a haunted chainsaw. Ooh. So I feel like you're yeah. teasing me there when you say haunted chainsaw. I feel like that's getting me excited. Uh that's probably the best part of the movie, so be excited. So Amityville be 4 excited. is the one we're going to be, be excited be about next excited. week. Because it's definitely not going to be House 4. What the hell is Amityville 4 called? Uh, Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes, I believe. Uh, it has Patty Duke and is about a haunted lamp. Oh, God damn it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I remember the haunted lamp. Yep. We have to do that one. There's so many other Amityville. <laughs> hey, we're going in order. It's a movie just called the Amityville Horror. It's called My Amityville Horror from 2012. Yeah, that's that's a documentary. Oh, okay. That's probably uh, supposedly one of the kids from the original Amityville Horror. Yeah. Um, Amityville Island is a shark movie. We can do that one. <laughs> We're doing Amityville, The Evil Escapes, Amityville 4. It's a cursed survivor of the killings at the Amityville house. Brings evil to a small island where bizarre genetic experiments are carried out on humans and animals. And you don't want to do that one. And it's in a woman's prison. No, but I feel like you should watch that one for the show. (laughs) Oh, it's 2020. If this was like a different time period, I might actually watch it. Yeah. So, Amityville Horror, The Evil Escapes, and House 4, which sees the return of William Cat to the House franchise. Yeah. And you'll find out why he's not in it very long. <sighs> yeah, we're ending, we're ending on a downer, on a downer week. That's for damn sure. I was getting ready to say, you had to throw out Epstein. 
just sucks the air out of the room. Yeah, but so does the discussion of the movies we're going to be doing next week. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you guys will love it, and it'll end up being like the best week ever. But I'm just saying, I bought because I bought House Four from the VHS Preservation Society, which takes stuff that's only available on VHS and sells them on DVD. I'm sure it's 100% legal. Um, but hey, if they're not going to if they're not going to let me have a House 4 DVD so that I can finally watch it. Um I got to get it where I can get it. And I bought it so I'm like I can finally watch House 4. Yeah. That's may have been a mistake, but <sighs> Here we are. <laughs> Technically, this will be Doug's fault because Doug started the uh, the month of haunted house movies. I didn't put them on the list. Doesn't matter. You picked them. As long as everybody uh, remembers the most important thing for next week, and that is watch Howling Three. Maybe. They're you affirm maybe. Listen, they're not wolves. <laughs> they're marsupials. They're they're thylacines. They're marsupials. We have to watch this Amityville Evil Escapes. Yes. What about Amityville A New Generation? What about if we watch that instead? Nope, that's nope. part five. Amityville, it's about time. That one's going to have a that's, clock in it, isn't it? That's so, part six. I don't, think, I don't think I need to go there. Amityville part, Vibrator? It's about a vibrator. You can all watch that on your own time. Uh, speaking of stuff on the list, we sh- I should mention our... Our good friend Julie, who does our awesome voiceovers at the beginning, uh, she took a little hiatus from her show just because, you know, 2020 is such an awesome fucking year. But it's back. So head over to 19 Nocturne Boulevard, Google it, and go over and check out all of her awesome audio stuff because she does some fun stuff. And she's always super nice to do our intro bullshit. You know, when I send her when I send her a list of stuff we're planning on doing and she's like, oh, OK, and then comes up with weird ass bits for our uh, our bullshit. So go over and show her some love, too. She's the best part of the show. <laughs> that is true. That's Definitely the most professional. Oh, most professional, most entertaining. She usually gets the names of the movies right. We have trouble with that sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much as soon as that voice message thing is over, the, sh- the show's automatically downhill from there. In all honesty, I bet she's seen Howling 3. She probably has. Is Howling 3 even available anywhere? It's available in a lot of spots, actually. It's yeah, I was getting ready to say, I'm assuming it's available everywhere. They probably, it's like AOL in the 90s. They just throw copies of it at people. <laughs> <laughs> like it's up on Howling 3 is at least up on like popcorn flicks and the show factory streaming service and probably TV. well it looks like down here it's on amazon prime so oh, i haven't even checked prime for it yet so these are just places i stumbled across it while looking for other werewolf movies just to get no off my back oh. i will try to watch howling three. Oh my god it's majestic <laughs> i just i just would like to remind you guys that it's not a good movie like Oh, Before see, now it's starting to qualify it after trying to convince us to watch it. No, I'm saying, listen, it's a must-see movie about where marsupials. 
Maybe we should just be putting this on the list at some point. Maybe it needs to be. Do we have uh, any other killer marsupial movies we can team it up with? Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) How many people does Kangaroo Jack kill? I haven't seen that (laughs) one. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. I just learned something horrible. What's that? That there was a movie called Amityville Vibrator. Made in 2020. Yes, I, I knew that. The There's cover so art's pretty Amity good. Films. I don't know what that. Uh, now I'm gonna Google that. It's just like that. a 70s throwback, so like it's a hand-drawn house, but goofy looking. I'm back. All right, everybody good? Yep. Just trying to get the box art for Amityville Vibrator up. So it, does, it, it is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The chimney looks like a vibrator, it, yeah. but it's got like blood coming out of the tip, which is disturbing contextually. Yeah, but there's blood coming out of the eye windows as well. So I like the tagline, for God's sake, get off. Right. I can get behind that. I'm not going to watch this movie, but you know. Well, at first I was excited because I thought it was like one of those 1970s, early 80s, uh, schlocky softcore pornos. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like Flesh Gordon and all those fucking movies. In which those, I totally have a fucking blast watching those. (laughs) But it was made in 2020, which means it's probably sleazy VHS trash. Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna watch it. So, if you decide to watch it, you can do a review for us next week. Yeah, schlocky fun. Too sleazy. It's just too sleazy. I'm excited to have Googled it because now I'm gonna see what my targeted ads look like for the next couple of weeks. But because <laughs> I can tell you that the uh, the ads that Google feeds to you when you uh, when you Google the title of that movie. It's not based on the Amityville. It's based on the other <laughs> word in the title. <laughs> nice. Do we have any feedback or anything? No. I was looking up because uh, here it is. A guy I'm friends with on Facebook who seems to write a new movie like every other week. So I don't know how this dude doesn't hasn't made like a billion movies. Wrote a movie called Amityville Arcade, and I thought the actual um, poster he made up was actually kind of cool looking. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, but I think he's been working on trying to get it made for like a couple of years. Well, I can't imagine how people aren't jumping out of title like that. <laughs> Yeah, when most of the Amityville catalog is so so fresh. Right. <laughs>